0: So, you know, you called me the other day.
1: Yeah, I was concerned that you might be working on the Lord's Day and I just wanted to rebuke you if if that was the case.
0: Yes, you phoned me and left a message saying it was the Sabbath police checking that I was observing the <laughs> Sabbath. Um, funnily enough, I was praying very hard when that phone call came through. Well, then that's all right. There's nothing to be afraid of. I was praying very hard because I was on top of a ladder painting a
1: window. <laughs> I hope you realise you've made Jesus very angry. Well, I, I was playing very
0: hard not to fall off. So you know, I feel I was—I feel I was very close to God on,
1: on that moment. Actually, I think I was because I, it's, it's as if I knew and just felt that was the right moment to ring you. Yeah, but I,
0: ironically, it made me less safe because was, the big phone was ringing, wasn't it?
1: Well, I'm glad you're all right. Get on with it.
0: Welcome, everybody, to episode, hang on, 237 of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast.
1: We <laughs> nearly forgot the podcast, but well done, thanks.
0: No, well, uh, you know,
1: <laughs> listen, we'll talk about that.
0: Yeah, Episode 237 of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. My name
1: is Nick Page and there is Joe Davis. The very patient Joe Davis, can I say. <laughs> right, <laughs> listeners, you know that Nick likes to make out I'm the incompetent one of this partnership. But can I just say that yesterday, at the appointed time that we had agreed, only at lunchtime that day that we would record um, I was there on Zoom, like Billy no mates, waiting for you. I waited, and I waited, and I waited patiently because of the stature of waiting, and then I got annoyed <laughs> <laughs> and rang you. <laughs> Uh, and what was your excuse what was your excuse
0: well i was asleep and (laughs) the reason the reason i was asleep was because I wasn't very well actually no
1: well that's obviously i have nothing but compassion
0: and i was hoping to get to to feel better by the afternoon but i just i must admit i just slept and and you woke me up uh but you were very nice about me sort of saying look i can't do it and
1: (laughs) you know and we'll reschedule. I was nice um, on the outside. <laughs> yeah, and that's the important well, you're thing. you d- deeply annoyed? Oh, fuming, there was wrath. Yeah, No, <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't. I was actually a bit concerned for you. I mean, because I want you in tip-top condition for the coronation when I come to stay with you to celebrate our king's coronation. Well, I don't know if we'd be doing that, but yeah. <laughs>
0: Why do you need me in tip-top condition for that? Just to cook you meals and open bottles of... Wine, yeah, basically i, th- I think that's that, that's that's the primary exercise yeah okay fair enough <laughs> i'll see if i can get some catering in
1: anyway uh, yes
0: so i apologize about that i've not been for a
1: while uh and uh, so yeah and what's been wrong may i ask if you can share it i mean don't talk about the rash on the podcast no. but you know the other stuff <laughs> no
0: i have been banned from talking both talking about the rash and demonstrating the rash yeah. in public. um <laughs> I no, I just, just exhaustion. I think just tiredness and yeah. um, just still caught up. And, and really, if I get a little bit sort of under under the weather, it goes into my head and ears and they get band mm. up and everything. So yeah, so
1: I think it was just uh, just all caught up with me. You have been s- through a time, haven't you? Really. So in some ways, it's not that surprising, is it? Really.
0: Well, I suppose it's just that it's not only sort of the house move, but then it's working on the house and all that kind. Mm. I just think... I'm not complaining. I just... It just right. got a bit um, a bit much... It's unusual for me to sort of mm. um, have that kind of moment, but there we are.
1: So you're OK now, are you, or are you just sort I'm of... I'm feeling
0: a lot better today. I think Good. the sun helps. Yeah, it it's does. It's a nice, bright, sunny day. A bit cold, but nice. And, uh, and so that... Uh... Yeah, I was just feeling a bit sort of stretched... Um there's mm. a there's a line in I've been rewatching the Lord of the Rings movies mm. actually that's been oh, right. interesting to Great. do yeah and um there's a line in that where I think Sam or something talks about being being stretched thin or scraped like butter spread too thinly on a toast or something you know and you feel like that you feel a bit st- stretched out really yeah. so that's that's what it was but anyway uh, you know I'm I'm better now
1: thank you very much yeah and how is the pub i mean house
0: oh well actually it's very interesting because um one of our uh, sort of neighbors dropped in a book about the history of the village and uh, where we are and it it's got quite a lot in about the pub in it Ah. which is quite nice so it's quite nice to sort of figure out where the layout was and what's really interesting about it is is that one of the previous landlords was also um he was not only a publican but he was uh, he was a trained slaughterman. Ah, so good he would he would cut up uh animals on the bar Basically, in a rather country, country kind of manner, you know, slice you like you do. I won't go. I won't go into details, but it let's let's just say health and safety was a different matter in those days. Basically, <laughs> it
1: sounds like it. Okay.
0: And this wasn't that long ago either. This was like back in the sort of eighties, nineties. It wasn't that long ago. Oh you know. gosh, uh, maybe oh, right. a bit earlier, but but yeah, he would. Um, he would, you know. It sort of, it was part bar and part butcher's shop. Apparently, so there we are. Okay, well, there's a combo. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think I'm going to be doing that. And no. I, no. I, you know, I'm quite happy to sort of continue the beer tradition, but maybe not the slaughterhouse <laughs> tradition. Um,
1: and the other thing that's cheered me up is look, look what came
0: through the post today. Look. Uh,
1: that says Wisden Cricketers' Almanac 2023. Yeah, the the new Wisden is out and uh that's good because <laughs> you, Have you never heard of wisdom yes i have heard of it but i haven't anyway, taken look an inch inter- how thick
0: it is look at that this is that, so wisdom cricketers almanac is the bible of uh, the cricket world it contains all the all the results you want to read all about, the old all testament the
1: prophets yeah it is it is okay. but what it
0: does it does largely <laughs> uh, it, it certainly has a lot of resurrection in it this year because of england's cricket team so yeah um yeah, so, that, that, so that's so that been delivered today, so I'm really looking forward to a weekend spent perusing that. Really. Okay. Well, whatever turns you on. That's lovely. <laughs> well done. That's, that's me. We've drifted straight into the, the how are you's,
1: haven't we, really? But um, anyway, how are you? <laughs> I'm all right. I'm all right. I tell you what, so the background noise at the moment is just doing funerals for too many people who are my age. Mm. So 58 or 59, and... Um, Uh, If I'm honest, that has been difficult for me, I think with everything else that's going on. But, so let me give you some bird watching highlights, went to NEP on Saturday, saw this very large bird, and we'd been watching storks flying around, so you think, oh there's probably another stork, took a took a longer look at it, flew above us and it was a white-tailed eagle. Wow. And it was flying around and it dwarfed the two buzzards that were flying near it. So, I'm mean, Just extraordinary. And yesterday morning, I went to Paul Brooks and there were so many nightingales singing. So it was just lovely and I saw Bullfinches finches and nut hatches and tree creepers and it was just a lovely thing so that is um and where was that that was at paulborough brooks which is an rspb bird reserve oh, sort okay. of, just oh, just okay. uh, before you get to net really over on the left a bit but um yeah it's great um i had some unseasonal haggis at the weekend Oh, and (laughs) right after that, well, it's not Burns Night, is it? But, you know, this is what happens when you have a Scottish friend. Haggis is for life, not just for Burns. And exactly, exactly right. And, uh, you know, there was a veggie haggis as well, which is always good, but not as nice as the other one. Um, But I tasted, so go back a bit. For my birthday, a funeral director gave me a tiny sample or one of his whiskeys. So he's a complete whiskey buff and he's a collector mm. and he buys and sells it and does all that. And so I tasted the most expensive whiskey I've ever had. It was a Boona Moin, Moyne, 22 year old. I think it retails for about 400 pounds anyway so you know you can't yeah you can't have that on your own you've got to share it with someone so (laughs) we had this tiny little sample and I shared it very carefully (laughs) into two glasses and I want to be honest I wanted not to like it much because you know I don't know about you but I sort of always want to kick against (laughs) that sort of sheer experience oh man that was probably the nicest whiskey I've ever tasted it was really delicious so there you are got expensive tastes clearly but um I said, it's an experience never to be repeated, but uh, yeah, yeah, very lovely. And we, what was great was we just sat there for about half an hour just sniffing it, <laughs> didn't drink it. Yes, <laughs> too much, yes. but it, it it was truly it's lovely. It's
0: interesting, isn't it? Because so often you have stuff where, uh, particularly wine world, where you know it's a, it's a. It's a very sort of old wine or whatever, and you do taste it. And you think, yeah, that's nice. yeah, it's nice. Not uh, as good as the
1: five ninety nine from Waitrose. Yeah. Well, it's, exactly. It, it's,
0: uh, it's certainly not sort of like a hundred times. No, exactly. Then no. But uh, it's nice when at least a special occasion is, is is actually special. That's very nice. Yeah.
1: Oh. 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 And hey, look at this. Hang on.
0: Ah. What your? Is those cannabis plants? What are no, they? No, behold my cuttings. I'd rather
1: not. They are cuttings from a uh, uh, sort of creeping hydrangea. So welcome <laughs> to Gardener's World <laughs> and the joy of now getting into growing cuttings of stuff. Have you not done that before? You must have done Not really. Cuttings. No, not cuttings No, I've done seeds and stuff, but I don't really haven't really entered the world of cuttings before.
0: Right. Uh, so this is exciting. It's fun, isn't it?
1: Yeah, isn't it great?
0: I know. Who knew? I've done them with herbs, cause you, uh, rosemary and thyme and things oh, like that. Oh, uh, great. Can, you can take good cuttings from that very easily. Yeah. Ah,
1: there we go. So mm. all in all, it's a mixed bag as always. You know, good and bad and life goes on. The world keeps turning. The tide comes in and the tide comes out. And there we are. Before we move on, can I just mention this one sentence uh, from an email I read this week And uh, this seemed so relevant to the question, you know, like, how are you? And, you know, what Mm. do you focus on when you say how are you? Do you just focus on the good bits? Do you talk about the bad bits? Do you talk about the times you've been happy, the times you've been... Anyway, I thought this was helpful. It says this uh, about the Psalms. The twin sisters of Psalms are are prayers of praise and lament, and they're always walking hand in hand, sometimes singing and sometimes crying. I like that because it just... Definitely resonated with life at the moment. Mm. You know, you don't want to give people a false idea of your life. You're not wandering around crying your heart out all the time. Equally, you're not laughing all the time. It's just going side by side. And I think I love that reminder that that's how the Psalms are. Because, mm. you know, we've talked before, haven't we, about often we just focus on praise and how much God inhabits our praise and how we ought to offer up, offer up cheerful hearts to the Lord and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, joyful legs or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> lift up holy legs, as I seem to recall you uh, calling people to worship on one o- at least one occasion at Oasis. I, that,
0: that was very much your line, may I say. No, I, I, If no. I used it, I stole it from No, here, no,
1: don't you try and pin that one on me. <laughs> anyway, th- th- that is life, isn't it? And it's just nice to have the reality of people you can be truthful with and share it all with Mm. so there you go Mm.
0: very good well anyway um so that's 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 all good Uh, and here we are and notices we should do church notices shouldn't we we haven't done one
1: well let me just say like it is next tuesday staying defiantly an evening zoom with me and my friend uh dave Steele, our friend dave Steele, and we're going to be talking about hell basically and what you make of hell in 2023 as a follower of jesus what do you do with um those passages in the bible that talk of that kind of um, sticky ending and what did they mean originally if we can get to that and what do they mean for us now so yeah come along all welcome
0: okay and there's a link on the website and we'll put a link in the show notes to where you can where you can book a place on that cheerful exciting event um so is that that's all the church notices yeah and uh let's go into what feedback. Yeah, about. yeah,
1: okay. So, um, well, firstly, let me say this. Thank you, Claire, for sending in a totally beautiful poem to the podcast. Now, I won't share it all. Uh, it's quite long, but it's called John Wick is Tired. <laughs> and and it, was, uh, it was beautiful in every way. It's absolutely brilliant. Maybe I'll put it on our website, on our Facebook page. So. The
0: thing about that poem is that it sounds like it's a sort of, Mickey Tate, but it is actually genuinely a moving poem. <laughs> it it's a very good is. poem. It's very clever.
1: It is. It's called John Wick is tired, and um, yeah. We, we love a bit of John Wick. Bless him. Small doses. <laughs> yeah. I just want a, a, a bit of shout out to someone. Matthew wrote in just updating us on Anna's surgery. Uh, this is not for comment or anything, but I just wanted to say to Anna, if you're listening, uh, we are thinking of you at this time for a speedy recovery. And, um, and Vicky wrote in, translating from German, mm. translating from German, no less. I mean, she may have used Google. I don't know. But an article on the healing benefits of nard oil. Mm. So uh, thank you for this. And uh, it contains some advice for you. It turns out I should have been diluting it, I think.
0: It looks like. <laughs> From what I understood it. I've probably poisoned a great many people, or
1: I don't know, cause respiratory problems. I don't know. There's a reason it's used on dead bodies, because <laughs> you can't use it on live <laughs> bodies. <laughs> I'm
0: sure that's not the case. But I'll, yeah, in future, I'll, I'll maybe... Uh, I'll maybe dilute it a little bit or use a different distribution method. But um, anyway, yeah. So thank you to people who who write in. And I should point out we do get uh, quite a lot of emails where people share honestly what's going on in their lives. And, you know, Mm. um, we really appreciate that. We appreciate being uh, taken into your confidence and we do pray for you. Yeah. And uh, thank you for emailing in. And then we get lots of stuff on other issues and things that we say. So
1: um, yeah. we've got a couple of those, I, I imagine. It's good. Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's read this from Dave. Now you may remember a couple of weeks ago I talked about my experience of grief not diminishing my view that life goes on. And as I was saying, you know, I'm not so sure about the nature of heaven. But, you know, for me, it's an absolute dead cert that death is not the end. Anyway, we had this really nice, thoughtful, uh, helpful email from Dave. And he said this. I wanted to make the observation that bereavement doesn't have this effect on everyone. I'm sure you weren't suggesting it does. In a nutshell, my experience is as follows. I was raised in a fairly strict evangelical environment and I eagerly pursued an evangelical outlook for the first half of my adult life. This included an unshakable belief in heaven, and hell for that matter. As I entered and progressed through a mid-faith crisis, <laughs> in brackets 20 plus years and counting, he so said, my yeah. growing belief that Jesus' message was 99% about how we live in this life meant that over time the matter of life after death became less and less significant to me. I was fine with this, I hold it lightly, and I remain open to forming a different view in the future perhaps. In 2021, my dad died at age 80. I was mostly comfortable with the way it panned out. He was a quiet man with a devout faith and not prone to emotional outpourings. So our goodbyes were muted, but I felt satisfied with them in that context. However... The funeral day itself was filled from dawn till dusk with talk from pulpits and among friends and family about their certainty that he was now with Jesus and that we'd see him again one day if of course they confessed with their mouth etc etc. Mm. <laughs> the more I heard of this the more indifferent I became about it eventually perhaps on that funeral day or maybe in the days later i realized that it made no difference to me whether there was a heaven or not i have no need to see dad again perhaps i'll feel differently when i lose someone with whom i have a more affectionate relationship like my wife or children but would that simply evidence the suggestion that a belief in heaven is wishful thinking i don't wish to take away from anyone else's belief or experience in this area i'm just sharing what my current experience has been whether i like it or not and then he says, keep up the great work, guys. I thought that was great. Thank you for writing that in, Dave. And no, I certainly wouldn't suggest that our experiences of grief are the same. They are unique as, as we are, I think uh, I, I want to say to that. And, you know, I responded to him saying, I think there are other reasons, other than even the faith reasons for believing that life goes on, <laughs> like... You know, our atoms go on and form new things, mm, mm. Um, soil and grass and birds and trees and plants, which I find quite exciting. Some people find that a bit distasteful, but I like that. And, and uh, if I was to be wishy-washy about this still, and you know I like a bit of wishy-washiness, um, just somehow that the powerful memories of people. Is it, mm. is it just a memory stored in your brain or is there more to it going on with people Who we love and we've grown up with, and who have formed us. I think I, I, I think I is this is not worked through, and I can't articulate it in any way. But to me, like I said, my mum is somehow still around me, present with me. It feels almost different to other memories, like where did you go to school? Okay, it it, it feels like it's qualitatively different, but I can't quite articulate it. So there's that going on as well. What do you think?
0: Well, I'm interested in that. Do you, is is that sort of? I suppose that's a memory, a creative memory in a way. Is it? It's about how she was, yeah. What she would say. What would Mum yeah. say to this? What would yeah. she, how would she react? We can imagine.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can imagine how Mum would respond to that email. I could almost hear her voice saying what she'd say, and she, you know, she mm. would have like like I think Dave's dad, you know, this very sort of devout down the line uh, sort of faith, and that was important for her to guard that um but you know i i don't think that way well i think
0: that's i think that's interesting because i
1: think the role of
0: imagination in faith is underplayed we're always suspicious of imagination Mm. because imagination uh, for us is making things up um you know that's what it's seen as and we prefer um facts you know yeah the, the strange idea that doctrine is a fact is <laughs> it's disputable yeah. anyway but you know we prefer those things uh, so making things up becomes suspicious and imagination becomes suspicious but i i think the role of imagination in a living faith is huge mm. um if you just sort of think about the way you pray or the way you talk to god or whatever or imagine jesus there mm. with you you know it's it's huge and, and I, I would want to say, and this links into what Dave was saying about wishful thinking, that, um, well, what's wrong with a bit of wishful thinking?
1: Hmm, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. Why is that a negative thing? You know, I don't think human beings can get by without wishful thinking.
1: It's part of hope. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it is. Yes, yeah, it is. Yeah. So
0: wish, wishful thinking, the way we use it is, is kind of like, well, you're not facing up to reality. Um, well, you know, who wants to face up to reality? No progress was ever made by people who just sort of <laughs> embedded themselves purely in the reality. All progress, all developments in human um, uh, human civilization, have been made because people have had wishful thoughts. They yeah. thought, "Oh, I wonder what you know? Wouldn't it be nice to make that tower bigger?" <laughs> um, it, yeah, yeah. What, what if we made that wheel a bit rounder and made it go? <laughs> wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it be better? <laughs> Wouldn't it be wonderful to have a chariot that didn't need a horse? That's you know. <laughs> yeah, That's great. So I like that. Wish, wishful thinking. <laughs> sure, it can be unrealistic, and can, you know, there's a time for sort of facing uh, the reality of of loss or of change, and you have to face up to that. And I understand all that, but but also, I I just wish for lots of things, and I don't um. think that's a bad thing because some of them I might have a role in making happen
1: yeah no that's that's a really good point
0: yeah so so I think with resurrection and with heaven and the afterlife wishful thinking is is uh it's it's natural it's entirely natural that we would want mm. to either see certain people again and it's going to be different for different people in different mm. occasions so I think Dave's exactly right mm. with that um, or or places you know I don't want, there are places I don't want to lose this is why I, for me I love the idea of the new earth you know mm. I feel very strongly about that because the physicality of this world and the joy of, of physical things is something that I wouldn't want to lose so yes I am wishfully thinking based on the bible that that's what's going to happen okay, that yeah, actually creation yeah. will be remade but but of course I don't know exactly what it's going to be like I'm just I'm just imagining things
1: mm. No, I, I really like this. And I suppose, you know, when I was, you know, first a Christian and then definitely kind of 10 years into it, like there was either right or wrong. Well, hang on. The Bible says this about heaven. So this is how heaven is. And that's what it's going to be. And mm. if you think anything different to that, then you're just right. And I suppose the longer you go and the more you just learn to respect everyone's opinion. There's no advantage to belittling someone else's wishful thinking you know, just because just you think you're more accurate to the Bible or, or whatever. Now I just, i really just happy to hear different people's views because we are all so different. We do process things so differently. And that is, uh, you're so right what you say about imagination. I think imaginatively reading the Bible is the best way to engage with it, really, in so yeah. many ways. So, yeah, no, that's good stuff. And thank you uh, so much today for, for writing in. And uh, that was great stuff. Thank you. Anyway, uh, talking of different opinions, we've had this in for Marcus and, um, and he, um, oh, he likes the podcast. Thank you, Marcus, uh, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And he says, in the Church of England, Easter lasts for 50 days to Pentecost. And so we get a lot of Easter hallelujahs in that time. Though I think the enthusiasm tends to wane towards the end. And the he is risen, he is risen indeed response seems to last even less. Mm. The Sunday after Easter is always given to Thomas in the liturgy. Now, often we are told not to be a Thomas, the doubter. But for me, I like him. And I like this at Easter. His experience of the risen Christ comes later because for many of us we have to wait longer than others before we feel it too. Thomas is there for us and reminds us that we haven't missed the boat and our time will come eventually. Um, I really like that. He then goes on to Mm. talk about the dangerous theology thing and uh, how it feels when you're actually accused of having dangerous theology. But he did say this again. He said, Nick said about preferring uh, to us the phrase, I feel uncomfortable with that. And he said, this and similar phrases are so much better because one, it feels less to trigger someone into reacting badly. Two, you're owning your own disagreement without accusing or alienating another person. And three, it invites further discussion without closing down. A relationship so he likes that phrase i feel uncomfortable with that then mm, yeah. your theology is that so thank thank you marcus for that. and thanks for reminding us about thomas and how he wasn't over the moon on easter sunday his his time came later because you remember last week i was saying i don't really not really feeling easter yet yeah,
0: yeah yeah that's good i i think i always think thomas is one of the sort of great heroes mm. of the gospel narrative yeah yeah because he's 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 willing to put, put his name to doubt Yes, questions. good man. And in fact, they all had them at the end of, uh, I think, I think in Matthew's gospel, there's that line. I've talked about this before where yeah. where it says, um, uh, but they saw him. And it's often translated, but, but they believed him, although some doubted. But actually, mm. there's no some in the in the verse. It's, mm. uh, it's they believed him, but they doubted. You know, they all yeah. had doubts. It's all going on. Yeah, it's all going on at the same time. Exactly. And so I think Thomas is, is, is great because Thomas and, and it's great that he's in the story because, you know, he, he has all, all the time he's asking these questions or he's feeling a bit down about it or he's saying this is going to end badly or whatever. Yeah, um, I think it's really important to have that in. But it's yeah.
1: great, isn't it? Because there is that period. I think we assume Easter Sunday, everyone was over the moon, cock-a-hoop, Jesus is alive. But actually, mm. perhaps not everyone. Perhaps people think, well, what on earth does this mean? What's he going to do now? You know what, what? What does that mean for us? You know, do we carry on with the fishing, or do we stay preaching about Jesus? Do we, you know, should we be excited, or should we just be confused, like we are? It's just, so it gives permission, I think, to um, yeah. And Thomas gives permission to doubt and to question, to just not really know how to react. In fact, so yeah, yeah. I
0: think, and I think, it, imagine if we use our imagination, just go back at that time. Of course, they, they had no doctrine. This is what's often forgotten. The Peter, the first believers of of Jesus had no real idea of any of the things that we take for granted. Yeah. In in terms of uh, sort of doctrine or doctrinal understanding and those kinds of things, they didn't have that at all. It didn't suddenly kind of wash over them this complete understanding. Everything had to be worked out, and and you only work out things by asking questions, by having debates, by talking to one another, um, and and by expressing disagreement. That's how it that's how it works.
1: So in that sense, doctrine is your
0: friend in some ways well it, well i think what it is is it it all doctrine was invent was created to stop people being abused in a way right by those who were trying to say oh you have to believe this you have to you know if you read paul's letters he is he is trying to stop people being manipulated by so-called right. false teachers right by people saying no you can't be really saved unless you have this bit cut off you know or whatever <laughs> sure, to, yeah. not to put too fine a point on no, it, thank as you. it were <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you um <laughs> made myself laugh there uh but uh you know so but the trouble is then it becomes something that is supposed to sort of protect other people becomes a cage in which you yes exactly yeah. one another and becomes this sort of right way of thinking um but you have to have it. you have to have some common ground and some fixed points and some things that you, you, you that differentiate you that mark you out that you can share um i I think the question is when when doctrine is questioned, yeah it can be very uncomfortable, or very difficult for people because it's it's so tied in with you know not only so, sort of salvation but also their historic understanding things yeah. they've been taught all their life or even their identity, yeah, yeah. And so that's very disorienting for people. So yeah. to find a new set of phrases to en- enable us to engage with that, I think is, is really important. Um, and I think you have to get rid of fear in these discussions. That's the, the other thing that I think um, I think you have to get rid of the fear of being wrong or the fear of being doomed by your thoughts. You know, the, 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 yeah. the, the, the fear that somehow you're going to fail your finals with God. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, back back to the new Wisdom, if I may, Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which opens up, and, and the editor's comments are always the best thing in Wisdom. To, uh, it looks back over the year, And he's saying that what England showed, the England cricket team, was lost, what happened when you play without fear? Mm. You're not worried about losing or winning. They genuinely have put that aside. They're going, we're not actually particularly worried about that. We are worried. We are, we are going to go in and play our game and have fun. And, yeah, and, that's interesting. And put joy back into things and really give it a go. So I think we do need these places where you can discuss these things without the fear, the fear of being yeah, told yeah. off or the fear of getting it wrong or, or, or the the fear of upsetting people.
1: And uh, doesn't love drive out fear better than most things. And I, I, I must mention that that for me is the key, you know, in theological debates and arguments. I mean, some people, they're going in obviously just to defend their view. And I, I and I sort of feel you get I, I've got to a point where I don't particularly want to defend mm. my views that I understand might be wrong anyway. So I, I like I love that phrase. We've mentioned it before from Brian McLean that just says, Wow, I see things so differently. Yeah, and and yeah, often really that's good. enough just to just to kill just to take the steam out of it. If you can love someone who's attacking you, you're really in the Jesus zone. You're you're really you're really getting a hang of discipleship. Mm. If in that moment mm. You can say, do you know what, just just fighting fire with fire isn't going to work here. No one's going to change. No theology. No one's theology is going to change. But if but if I can love you with your view that my theology is dangerous, that's that's the best form of defense. (laughs) Attack with love.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And actually just thinking about it. I think this is one of the questions I asked right at the beginning of the podcast. I can remember mm. talking to you about how to respond to people after I've, I'd spoken. You know, people come mm. up trying to correct me. What do I do? With that? <laughs> yeah. And classic. And yeah. All that years ago, that was quite an important issue for me. How do I Yeah, yeah. How do I persuade them around <laughs> to my opinion? And I genuinely think that's changed for me. I, I don't yeah. think anymore that I, in these discussions, I'm not that I do a lot of speaking now, but I don't think anymore in these discussions I'm concerned about winning. Mm. I think I am concerned about people sort of acknowledging there might be a different way of looking at things that is valid, yeah. that is okay. But, you know, I, I, I that's interesting. I think I've been on this journey myself that from defensiveness through to, I, I don't say I'm not defensive because I am, you know, I do get concerned about all these things. I'm I, like everybody else, but... But I'm less defensive than I was. I think in these mm. these terms, yeah. So, um, yeah, and and I think that, that what's gone is the sort of d- desire to sort of correct people. I do like people having the facts right. I suppose there is that. I don't know if you've noticed. I don't know if you've noticed that in our relationship. I you know, I wouldn't have known if you hadn't said then. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't think I'm, you need to sort of play the winning and losing game anymore.
1: Really. And the thing is, it's it's to do with our relationship with truth a little bit. And I think that, you know, if you think truth is like this tiny, tiny narrow line that you've got to stay on and any slight little questioning or heresy here can lead you off the path of truth and then you're eternally damned. You know, that is, that's going to create fear in you. And it's going to create fear in you when you hear people questioning it. But if you see truth differently to that that truth could be a bit border and that truth is uh enveloped in love even let's put mm. it that way anyway sorry yeah i am getting wishy-washy but truth and love are bedfellows they belong together and you separate love from truth and it starts to get shaky as to how true it is i always think hmm well, look, we've, we've been waffling on and we still haven't discussed my reflections on preaching in a church in Mexico, because I've got some big questions for you about church, but maybe we come to those next week. I've got questions for you on church as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you have. <laughs> well, I was, I'm sure I was doing something more faithful than going up a ladder painting. That's all I've there's, got to say. There's to you nothing about more faithful than me standing <laughs> on top of a ladder <laughs> <laughs> I'm at my most faith trusting in God at that moment I tell you so we will we should probably wrap things up and we're finished with a, a reflection from Richard Rohr last week I found really helpful about being the resurrection you know I was saying I'm struggling to engage with Easter Sunday and he wrote this about being resurrected which I thought was good we're finished with it but before we finish anything else you wish to say to our beloved listeners
0: um no just a sort of thank you for listening um Thank you for supporting the podcast. Yes, uh, I always feel a bit sort of awkward, but you know, you do. For you're
1: so, um, you're so uncomfortable with it. Thank you, everyone that gives to us. You know how much we appreciate. And I should say on that note that if anyone goes to click and they discover it's paying by PayPal and they haven't got a PayPal account and they don't want to, if you want, if you'd like to give to the podcast, heaven knows why anyone would, but if you would like to, out of a sense of appreciation or pity for Nick and I. <laughs> <laughs> send me an email, joe at midfaithcrisis.org. Uh, and uh, I can always send you our bank details. Yes, well, thank you for that. Uh, I do appreciate
0: it. It's, it's, yeah. it's lovely and it makes me go all embarrassed and terribly English. Um, really so does. that's all I want to say. So we'll be back with you next week. So do you want to end with uh, with further Easter reflections then?
1: Yeah, OK. So this is from um, uh, brother uh, Richard Raw last week. He was quoting Matthew Fox. He was talking about being the resurrection and he finished with some questions that I just thought were great for us and possibly some listeners to ponder in the week that lies ahead. And he said this to be resurrection for another. I need to be resurrection for myself. That means I cannot dwell in despair and death and anger and oppression and submission and resentment and pain forever. I need to wake up, get up, rise up, put on life even when days are dark And my soul is down and shadows surround me everywhere. I have to listen to the voice that says, be resurrection, be born again and again and again. Rise up and be counted. Rise up and imbibe the good news deeply that death does not conquer that life, not death, has the last word. And then he says Fox insists that resurrection carries both grace and responsibility. He says resurrection is a commitment to hope. And being reborn, it is a commitment to creativity, to the Spirit who makes all things new. Resurrection is the Spirit's work, it's the life of the Spirit. And then he finishes with these questions. And what about life? How am I life? How living and alive am I? How much in love with life am I? Can anyone or any event separate me from my love of life? Paul the mystic asks, and then answers... Who shall separate us from the love of God? Neither death nor life, height nor depth, neither present nor future. Is my curiosity alive? My gratitude, my mind, my imagination, my laughter and sense of humour, my creativity, my powers of generosity and compassion, my powers for continually generating and regenerating life.